I'm Sarah. I'm an alcoholic. And, um... Hey, Sarah. Sarah! Hey, Sarah. Hey. <laughs> to be quite frank with you guys, I fucking hate alcohol. But this program still works for me, okay? <laughs> um, I... So, I guess I'll just, like... I want to briefly go over what it was like and, like, how it got started and all that. Um, so... When I was 13 years old, I had my first drink of alcohol. That was my first thing. I got alcohol poisoning, but that didn't stop me because I was like, because at that time, I was kind of like, I want to do that again for some reason. I hate, but because in my mind, I was like, I'm going to beat this up because I liked the feeling before I went into it complete. Uh, you know, before I blacked out, started crying in McDonald's and then vomiting everywhere. I, I was enjoying myself and I felt how I always wanted to feel a part of something, you know. So that was my first experience with alcohol. But, but prior to that, my lifestyle, um, my so I grew up in a like from the outside picture perfect fan, uh, American dream suburban home. Um, however, over the years, especially getting sober, I'm realizing how fucking dysfunctional my family is and how I, I have wonderful parents. They're wonderful people, but God, are they enablers. Like, literally, I just had to cry, and then I got what I wanted. <laughs> and uh, it's funny to have this, like, tough exterior now because, uh, you know, it's I, I can honestly admit I was just a little bitch, and a spoiled brat that got my didn't get my way enough, and which I got my way a lot, but it still wasn't enough, right? Because I'm an alcoholic drug addict. So I started going to uh, punk rock shows when I was like nine years old. My older brother, oddly enough, he doesn't do any drugs at all, and it's actually quite militant about it. Um, and I was terrified to ever touch anything. But by the time I was 13, I was like, fuck it. I'm so uncomfortable. Middle school was horrible for me because I was different. Um, nobody else's parents <laughs> let them do the shit I was doing. And all my young, my friends my age were too young for me. My friends that were older were too old. So I just like was like completely alone in a way and lost like it was kind of like i was this cute commodity at the show it's like oh it's a nine-year-old to 12 year old girl at a show that's cute but by the time you get older it's not that cute people start to have a different view of you and you know and oh middle school nothing was more uncomfortable than middle school than early early sobriety was early sobriety felt like middle school all over again i was like damn i'm learning how to feel like I hit puberty again and it's weird and I really uh middle school was not good as far as like my family life started to just like crumble my brother you know as much as he didn't do drugs or anything he was definitely had some anger issues and then he later on faded into being too old for my parents to kind of put up with it which surprisingly they put up with my shit for a longer but he got older and then i became the fucking mess and scapegoat or whatever you know they do those little family tree things in rehab where it's like scapegoat this and that yeah that's what i was um or i became i used to be a very just lost child that sat in their room and didn't know what the hell to do and just kind of did art and i don't know it was just it it, it 
it, it was cool at the time, you know, but like, I remember my mom always saying, I'm going to regret this, like letting you do all these things that all your peers can't do, or, you know, their, their parents are smart enough to not let them do and blah, blah, and oh boy, did she. So by the time I was 13, 14, I had this like obsession with, um, substances i was like i want to feel something like i my older friends were drinking and smoking weed uh not my brother obviously but like you know all my all his friends and i was like i would love to see what that's like (laughs) you know because i was like i feel fucking weird i want to fit in somehow because i don't fit in anywhere regardless of how i thought i felt i fit in at those shows when i started going I started to slowly feel like, shit, I don't even feel like I belong here. So it became a thing where I started drinking. So I drank that first time when I was 13. It was horrible, but it was actually something I chased. And I drank a lot um, after that, like after my alcohol poisoning. And I got alcohol poisoned pretty much every time I did drink. Like I literally would just like drink. And then like I couldn't, I was just, I sucked at it. And I could never, and honestly... Not that it was a good thing because I picked up a different problem, but, you know, I was always like, well, (laughs) I can't handle the booze, so what else we got? So then I started with pot. I love, that was like where I was like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm obsessed fully. And that's where I felt okay until I did it and it wasn't enough anymore. And I got really bad depression at the age of like 15, started realizing I had depression at 15, 16, got diagnosed and was like, well the weed is cool and shit but like I need something else so I started you know doing the old one two with uh, going through my parents pill cabinet and you know honestly I think they have some maybe they're not like one of us but they definitely have some sort of issue because they definitely take a little bit more than their medication see I'll take the whole fucking thing but they'll take a little bit more than they need to so I was always like I don't know. I was like, well, they have some extra, so I'm going to take some, blah, blah, blah. So I would take their meds, blah, blah, blah. And then I real, realized I like, I was a trash can up until the age of uh, 17. And I found heroin and cocaine. Um, and then I was like, here we go. <laughs> I And honestly, I remember before that, I was like, I'll never do those things. I was like, because I've seen from my older friends and from a lot of the musicians I looked up to, a lot of them died from it. A lot of them, you know, a lot of them, I mean, obviously had issues and their life was terrible, but I glamorized and thought it was so cool. So I was like, well, okay. I said I'd never do it, but hey, if they did it, I'll do it. You know, it's kind of that weird uh, dichotomy where it was like, okay, it's not cool because they fucking died, but it's also cool because it's like, dude, they were like a cool musician, right? So, I started to, I was still kind of trash canning it. I was like, okay, I like this, but uh, I'll take whatever you got to make me feel different. So I did that. And by the time I was 18, that was the first time I went to treatment because, like, I was still lit. So 18, I'm still living with my parents because there was no way in hell I could, I would have been homeless. I would have just been, you know, and, and, and part of my story is that my parents really, <laughs> I'm, I was never homeless because of how enabling they are. They would just be like, well, she's got problems and we're, we'll, you know, she gets sick every now and then we'll give her money, you know, until they regretted the hell out of that. So 
I went to rehab for the first time, and I, I I didn't go in as a addict alcoholic. I was like, I don't really, I'm not really that bad at, you know, it's just, it, I'm just kind of depressed, you know? I went in as, like, mental health, which little did I know it goes hand in hand. Um, so I went in, and I felt out of place in a way because I hadn't yet been to the lengths. See, I was looking at all the differences. I was like, oh, well, I haven't been to jail. And actually, I still haven't been to jail, which is very a blessing. And just and you know, we'll get to that in a minute. But like, I and I think that's part of the parental thing that was going on. Like, I didn't have the, I had the luxury to not be out on the streets doing what I was doing and go to jail, even though I was doing some shady shit. But we'll get to that. So, <laughs> um, I am not feeling it i'm like this is cool i don't really have anything else to do i didn't have any like real friends at the time i was like because i had to move away because my parents were like you're not gonna i mean what are you gonna do live here and starve and you know whatever i was like yeah probably not (laughs) so i went with them i was like well we'll figure we'll figure it out how i can manipulate this situation so i went to treatment stayed there like three weeks and was like all right i'm done bye (laughs) and um went home and I was like all right well we'll just keep the weed we'll take well we won't do the pills or any of that shit or the heroin or whatever because it still didn't have like a, a habit habit for alcohol pills heroin or anything it was just like I'll take it if you got it like I said that continues until about the that summer I was like I a lot of bad things started to happen in my depression where I became like I had had suicidal ideations at, you know, 16, 17, but not like, like 18, I started like really acting out. Like I, like I didn't want to, it was weird because it was like, I really don't think I had the, the, and I'm trigger warning. I really hope this doesn't bring up anything for anybody, but it's just part of my story. I really, it was really hard. Um, not knowing it's like I I don't want to necessarily die but I definitely don't want to feel like this anymore the drugs aren't doing it enough you know so then I was like whatever so I'm just like kind of like cruising through life and then I discovered crack and then that just was another problem drugs are a problem blah 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 blah. and then I get on uh maintenance for a lot of years for like and honestly it was like I would get on maintenance but like really early in my like things uh methadone maintenance suboxone maintenance and marijuana maintenance alcohol maintenance because i thought those weren't real drugs <laughs> it's bullshit don't don't let the lies in your head tell you that shit because i would see myself so i went to treatment several okay i'll go ahead and admit it's embarrassing for me it's embarrassing i went to treatment it's embarrassing because it's so privileged. It's like, okay, I went to treatment 12 times, but it's like, dude, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, why? You know, honestly, I had not, like I said, nothing better to do. I was, I ran out of drugs. My parents were kind of over it at that time, but obviously not enough. So shit just keeps getting worse, worse, worse. Shit hits the fan. I'm, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, every time I went to rehab, I was always comparing myself. I was like, man, I'm not really like that. And I'm not really like that. So maybe I'm not the real thing at all. That continued for so long. And it's sometimes like 
like this time around it like early on i still would do that some days i'll do that and i'm like stop dude like <laughs> you have done enough you know to qualify for whatever qualification you think you need you're miserable that's the whole point you know but anyway by 2016 i had been to about five or six treatment centers um obviously kept doing the same shit when i would get out um 2016 i met i got into a fair well i had been in a relationship for four years with this other person before that yes four years that's a long time for um it's sad because it was like codependent but it was in the way where he like took care of me and my habits my drinking and my drugging habits and i didn't really like him but i we definitely manipulated each other in that way but that eventually ended and then i had to fill in that gap because i also my other um addiction is relationships i'm actually doing coda now as well um because i know it's an outside issue but it's very uh important to my story so i meet this guy this fella uh, Wes, who I definitely know I loved and I still love, but it was just like, we literally met in treatment. He sent me a note and I was like, oh, he loves me. <laughs> and we were together. Um, and I was like, all right, well, and no one could tell me nothing about this relationship. I felt like I don't know. It was like he's. It, it's like honestly, anybody in treatment could tell me they thought I was pretty, and I was like, "Let's do it." You know, let's get married, and you know, not get high. <laughs> well, we get out. We move in together. <laughs> that was the first time I ever moved out on my own. That didn't last. Um, we both got bad off again drinking we started off drinking that, that's how it always it, i started off drinking like it's not a problem and then right back into the bullshit so i was with this person for two years and every treatment center i never after him i never talked about myself i never tried to get sober for myself it was always for him but it's like dude you're trying to get sober for someone that doesn't want to get sober that <laughs> doesn't make any sense but I was like, I, it, I was hoping by osmosis he would get sober. Um, so two years of just hell where it just starts to get like darker, where I start like doing some things that traumatized me to get my drugs and alcohol. Um, start um, really just feeling like, okay, this is like getting to the point where I really don't like I, I'm juggling all these addictions I'm a, a juggling this addiction with this guy I'm a juggling this addiction with the drugs and alcohol and it's just like I don't know where to turn and I'm just like lost for those whole two years I was just like gone you know it's like a blur to me honestly um and then finally it got so just I got sick of it um again for the 12th time I got sick of it but like this time I was like man I I don't I cannot do this again I can't I real like something in me was just like dude you are going to die you are like and I have um come very close um 
like it says in the book, to drink is to die. <laughs> and it's very true. And I laugh because I, I have a kind of dark sense of humor. And it's just that that's what happens. So me and this dude, it took literally everything and everyone's power and not mine and God's power, whatever that is for me. I still don't know, but I, hey, it's working <laughs> somehow. Um, had to pull me away from this guy. He's going to treatment. I'm going to treatment in two completely different states. I'm going to Mississippi. He's going to Florida. I thought that would work. And it did temporarily. So this treatment center, I do really well. I get out and I move to Austin, Texas. So this is where the Austin comes in. Man, I've never seen such awesome recovery in my life. Like this was where I was like, this is, I was like, I could get sober here. I was like, this is cool. Cause I'd seen so many people my age or like even the older people were like, not like these old timers that I was used to at the meetings I would go to wherever that just like, if you talked about like drugs, they would just literally like, be like, like send you to the fucking electric chair. You know, like I was like, I can't, I was like, I can't relate to these people. And, but I also, you know, whatever, but now I can't, but that's a different story. Um, so when I came to Austin, I met this, I met this woman, she's now passed, not from um, the disease, but she died from stage four breast cancer. Uh, her name was JL, and I remember meeting her. She was the house mom, house manager at the place I went to. And I was like, man, I was like, you can still be pretty cool if you get sober. Like, I don't know. And I met some, and there's tons of other people I've met after that. that I've been like, because I was so afraid. It's like, what if I lose me? And I was like, well, what, have I, what, who am I? I'm so young. You know, I was 23 at the time. I was like, I don't even know who the fuck I am. Really? You know, all I know is I've just really screwed my life up for many years <laughs> leading up to this. And um, I always say it's funny when young, young people like me are like, it was such a long time. It's like, dude, six years. Wow. Um, but it was for me, you know, it was a long time. And, um, but I, when I met her, I was like, that's, she had six years sober before she died. And I was like, man, I was like, if, if she, I was like, what, what does she have that I don't, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I have the willingness. <laughs> that was it pretty much. So I did actually did really well. I strung together five months, but guess what I did? I invited the boyfriend that the one that's in Florida. I'm in, you know, I suck, but from he's in Florida probably not in rehab probably just try and tell me what I want to hear the whole time but I'm like yeah I'm in delusion I'm like this is gonna work out because I want it to because honestly my identity became his I was like as long as he gets sober I'm gonna get sober but there's still a little part of me was like but what about Sarah you know but you'll see how that turned out so I strung together five months that's the longest I ever really had so like for real but then I invited him down and from the moment he looked at my face when he got off the train, he said, you rolled your eyes. I was like, I, I guess I, I can't control my facial expressions. If y'all know me or see me around, y'all know something. I'm either laughing, you know, when I'm upset, you, you know what's going on. I always have some look on my face. I'm not, I don't have a good poker face. So he knew that I knew that this was not going to work out, but I was still like trying to tell myself these lies, like, I'm going to have this relationship, my drug of choice, which was my other drug of choice, which was him. And I'm going to 
but I'm not going to, I'm going to cut out the alcohol and drugs. That really didn't work out. It was so bad. It was a disaster. Cause like I literally lasted about less than a month after that. And I lied to my parents on my amends told that I, or I admitted, I didn't tell them that he was in Austin. Cause they, cause everybody that knows me was going to be like, are you serious, dude? But, and I'm going to say this real quick. No one can like prevent you from getting sober at all. But however, my obsession with getting him sober is what really was my downfall. Cause I stopped giving a shit about my own sobriety and, um, he didn't want it unfortunately. And, um, it really, it really hurts, especially he's, I'll get to how that's been in my life, but he passed um, last year in April from this disease. And um, it, the, the, the day, it took me a long time. So I relapsed August 20th, 2018, or August 19th, 2018. And um, I didn't get high or drunk because of my, a, a certain medication that I was on that blocks that kind of thing. So I pretty much just made a huge ass of myself and had to get honest and be like, yeah, well, I did definitely do some using, <laughs> but I did not get high. But still, it's the whole action and all that, whatever. But I, oh, I wanted to sweep it under the rug so bad. I wanted to be like, let's just pretend it never happened. But God, no. Everybody saw it coming, but that didn't even matter. I saw it coming, but I was just like, we'll pretend it's not going to happen, you know? So that day, that faithful day, um, I realized, I was like, it's not about him. It's not about anybody else. Like right now, this is about the problem with myself that I feel like I don't deserve it and I need somebody else to do it so I can do it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But so it took me still a while. I stayed somehow stayed sober, still with him. By that time, I started just enabling his his problem. Just like mother, like daughter, I became like my parents, and that's why I'm actually doing CODA now because I, I see those patterns—not that exact dramatic—but I see those patterns in my relationships today with my family. Like now, they're all fucking going crazy, and I'm trying to like save them now, and it's a bunch of craziness. But anyway, I want to get to the good stuff. So um, I went to sober living again (laughs) I was like hey I'm back you know and I met some awesome people yet again that was the first time I ever felt like I really had like I think that's why I kept going to treatment for so many years I was like I have friends here you know these are my sisters or my brothers or whatever usually sisters because I cannot be in a co-ed for obvious reasons (laughs) but uh I was with my 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 kin my family you know like my people that really understood what the hell was going on, regardless of how different I thought I was. Um, so this time I was like, all right, time to buckle up. Like it's, it's time. Cause I, I that first step experience tells me this is it. And I'm not saying here's the thing. There's such a crazy paradox with that for me. Cause it's like, well, 
what if I relapse? I don't want that to be like, oh, that's it. But it's like, I don't want to relapse because I don't know if that's the last time. Because that's terrifying. Because it was for my, my ex. So I'm sober. So by the time he passed, I was a few months sober. And this is where the good light lighter stuff comes along. I, so I got a sponsor. I, I, I've had the same sponsor since before my relapse. I begged her to keep me. I was like, I promise I'll break up with him and I'll do all this stuff differently. I was like, I promise. And I did. And that's crazy. You know, you, I'm a stubborn alcoholic drug addict. Like you can't, it, but, but finally yeah, you get so fed up where you're just like, I, whatever, I'll do whatever you want. Like if you want me to move to Holland and or what, whatever you want me to move to Mississippi or whatever, I'll do it. But thankfully I'm in Austin, not Mississippi. Thank God. Um, so I, I did everything it took. What people told me, I finally shut up surprisingly. If you can believe, if you know me, I'm a chat chitty chit chatter. And I finally shut up. I was like, all right, I'll listen this time and stop acting like I know everything just because I've been to rehab so many times. That just shows how much I don't know, <laughs> you know. But I, I was like, I know a lot about the book. You know, it's like, not really. You just sat in, like, classes about it and then never applied it when you got out. So, so finally, so by the time my dude passes, the important thing is that I, my message with this is you can stay sober through absolutely anything. And I'm not saying that to be like insensitive towards any kind of trauma or anything because bad things happen. But net, like I used to have all these reservations, like if he dies or if so-and-so dies or if this happens, um, that's going to be the thing that like, where I'm just like, I don't need to do this anymore, this program, or I'm, or I can go ahead and drink again, you know. Uh, what I finally realized was like, when it happened, it was just kind of like, I kind of wasn't surprised because I was like, because when you are what that person is yourself and you could die from that too, you're just kind of like, well, that's usually what happens when you don't have something substantial like this program in your life. And, and that's what it took for me or what some kind of, you know, this, this is just my, my program. This is what's worked for me. Um, and I, the only reason I have been able to say that you can stay sober through anything that is, if you do the work and I say that to myself is like, if I'm doing the work, I can get through anything. This COVID mess and all this other crazy social political crap that's going, like, that's really, like, just, like, like, I mean, stuff's always going on in life. Life happens. Life is crazy no matter what. But I think right now, particularly in the year 2020, we really are, like, going through it. <laughs> but um, not a, not a reason to go back. Not at all. Nothing. You know, I had a, a crap day at work. Somebody pissed me off really bad. <laughs> Got to do some inventory, but am I going to drink or use over it? Absolutely not, because that's just... Like, I remember one person told me if an asteroid is coming, that is not a reason, you know? And um, so when, when dude died, Wes died, um, 
it hurt. It still hurts. I'm still processing it. Like, there's no right way to grieve. Because I grieve him like I grieve my um, alcoholism. And that's the weird thing about having an alcoholic relationship is, like, you can grieve that person, but you almost grieve that old lifestyle in a way. You're like, man, I used to, I miss not, like, being responsible for anything and, like, being, you know, having negative attention all the time, basically. And I used to think, I used to think it's better than not having none, but it's like, that's totally not true as I've seen it today. So... I, I, I got through that and a lot of people always like like a lot of like girls like sponsees or girls that were like going through similar things with their other half <laughs> whatever um, told me this like they're like how did you do this I'm like I just did because I like literally held on to the life rafts that are in this program you know and that sounds so cheesy but it's true and so that was uh, April 2019. Um, since then, so it's been a while since then. So by I did a, I learned so there's just been different lessons I've learned that have been really interesting and just like not, I, like I'm not gonna say every minute of my sobriety has just been this wonderful moment. However. Every moment I can see because of my spirituality, I'm like, I'm not, I, I can see like a, some sort of like, wait, the puzzle fits together. Like I worked this horrible job for over, I think like almost a year at Goodwill for like $9 an hour full time. I hated it so much, but it was like, I learned a lot from it because like I met a lot of people I greatly did not like and people I really did like and like I don't know dealing with people and just different things like the thing that keeps me excited about recovery is like like literally for me because half my life you know from 13 and up I've been drinking and using so it's literally like learning to walk but as an adult you're like oh people do things and people you know like literally an exciting moment for me nowadays is like having like self-care day because i didn't do that shit like self-care to me (laughs) y'all y'all can fill in the blanks for what that was back in the day you know um so august maybe gets their energy from them um hang on a second (laughs) okay Um, august so yesterday I got two years so I throughout these like so like my first year I'll say this to I think this is important and believe me y'all I'm just winging it which is the best way to do it I think because it's coming all straight from my soul <laughs> you know because I want oh trust me I wanted to write this shit because I was like I'm gonna say a lot of dumb shit and I'm gonna regret it but it's like I don't give a fuck <laughs> I really don't like come on like Life's too short to give a fuck about things like that. But anyway, um, I, and now I damn forgot what I was going to say, but I think it was something like, um, oh yeah, I have two years sober. And like one of the things that I, I've like, learned. I'm good on that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that I've learned is, um, for one, 
But something I just said that actually was very interesting that I need to tell myself more often is like life is too short to give a shit about stupid little things like what people think. I'm like, like I, I care what my, you know, my sponsor thinks and I care what people think. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's like, but if people, I always say like, I want people to love me for me authentically, not because yeah. here's a Here's the problem. Like I used to have this obsession that people would see older people, a lot of women out there walking in the morning. A certain way. Way. And I, or like I, I was always obsessed with like I was thinking people are gonna, like I wanted people to see me for who I used to be, but now I'm like terrified people are gonna at all see me for who I used to be. Like like at work now. I actually show up pretty well, <laughs> the best I can. Some days I like today. I was just like, I don't give, I don't give a shit about any of this. But most days on a good day where I pray and meditate, da da da, I'm having a good day. I uh, go into work and I show up pretty well. And the outcome from that is like, no matter what, I'm always afraid people are going to see me for who I used to be, you know? I'm like, what if they think this, uh, I don't know, I don't know if anybody struggles with that. And that's part, oh yeah, that's part of what I was going to say about my first year was, um, my first year, what was so different to what it is more like now is like, and that some people might say, well, that's like, you know, a downfall, but I think it's a great thing. In my very, you know, my first year, it was all about being perfect at recovery and being the recovery superstar and like doing the most, having as many sponsors, you know, when I finally got through the steps, uh, I think that was about um, May or June of last year, or I think whatever, it doesn't matter. I got through the steps and then I started being able, my favorite part actually is to take people through the work. Um, and even if I only get them to like step four, I'm like, at least I did something, you know? And so, but I was obsessed with like, I need to have like five sponsors at a time and I need to go to like set before COVID. <laughs> I was like, I need to go to seven meetings a week and da, da, da. but and that's great a great way to think but the problem with that thinking was i would shame myself when i would miss like one little thing and then what i'm saying is like definitely keep to your daily disciplines definitely do that it's very important however and when i say you please don't think i'm like you like i'm just saying what's helped me a lot is to be like do your daily disciplines, but like if you do something human, please don't beat yourself up. Please don't like it, it because it's just put me in a shame spiral that I'm grateful that I have the tools to not get high over or drink over anymore. Because that was the main reason I started drinking and using in the first place was that feeling, those feelings, the voices in my head that tell me you're an idiot and da, 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 da. I'm going to tell you that voice is still there, but I've got a different way of dealing with it now. So my first year is a lot of perfectionism. Da, 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 da. Then my second year, you know, easing into it, I have, you know, I have my sponsor, but I also have my, my therapist. I know that's an outside issue, but she is in the program and she's always just like telling me, she's like, why do you think, like, what is this thing with like, you're not doing anything right. And I was just like, 
good point. I don't know. Because, like, sometimes I'm, like, trying to do everything, like, by the book that I think I'm supposed to be doing. And then I still am, like, well, I still feel like I'm being selfish in some areas. Like, yes, of course I am. I'm a freaking alcoholic. But I try to correct that shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's, like, doing – I always hated – hate – or I I won't say hated. I don't hate anything, guys. I'm recovered, okay? Um, (laughs) Hold on. Somebody's – sorry. I had a phone call. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get back. Damn Zoom. Okay. (laughs) Um, No, I lost where the hell I was. Oh, I guess basically on the topic, like, I, oh, I hated when people would say, do the next right thing, because that sounds so, like, dare, instructional, like, 90s high school, like, do the right thing (laughs) video, but, like, it's true, man, like, because, like, I do some silly crap sometimes, I do some very, like, immature stuff, I go back to not obviously not old ways like going to the the dope house or drinking anymore but like i do like silly things and i act up i'll get a huge resentment act a fool on somebody sometimes but then i make the i i use what these steps have taught me and being taken through the steps has given me that grace to go i won't say grace that's funny for me but it has given me that that ability to really just like be okay and be able to face someone and be like, look, I screwed up. I acted stupid and I said something stupid and I'm really sorry about that or change the action. If that's does, it's not sufficient, you know? And I got a couple minutes left. Um, but I, I've learned through this process to like, not it's funny it's everything in this process for me has been a i remember my sponsor said this to me the day we met actually she said everything in my life has become one gray area and i love that because everything continues to still sometimes be black and white like you're either in recovery or you're not you know it's like i am in recovery but sometimes i do human things and also like every everything in recovery is kind of like a you know there's balance that's what that's the word i'm looking for balance and everything and um and that's what i look for with just everything in my life like just some sort of balance like it doesn't have to be either they hate you they or they love you it's like maybe they just don't you know it's maybe it's just in the middle maybe it just is you know and i've I've learned that just like that's why to refer to the book, the page four seventeen acceptance. I always thought that was annoying when my sponsor would refer me to that. I was like, "What am I not accepting?" Because I I think it's unacceptable, but I don't know why you're telling me <laughs> to read this crap. But it's really true because it's like it is the answer because some things just are, and it's just. You know, because before before recovery, I wouldn't accept anything. Why am I the way I am? Why are they the way they are? Why is this the way it is? And like, especially with everything going on now, why is COVID happening? Why are people not wearing masks in public? It's so stupid. It's like, girl, some people 
that's them, you know? And same with me. It's just like, it's given me that one important thing too is it's like with doing like resentment inventory and like doing amends and stuff that's helped me with other people is being like whether or not someone's like really horrible to me which they usually aren't that's kind of rare but when they are it's like usually i know from my my past from what i've done when people are not necessarily nice or cool or whatever there's something going on with them and that's what like i know that sounds like what does that have to do with anything but it's true like i once i have gotten happy with who i am in my recovery and where i'm at i'm just like i'm a lot like less like willing to point fingers and be like who why is why are they doing it this way why you know it's like I'm doing it my way and I'm, or I'm doing it this way, the way my sponsor told me, and that's fine or whatever, whatever the case may be. It could be anything. Um, and I want to finish up here on a really positive note. (laughs) Um, I really love this, this particular group a lot because, um, it's just always like, I always just felt like, it was just a, a, it was a room full of so many different people, but it's the reason why this program works is because like we're all, some of us are pretty similar, but some of us could not be more different in age, you know what I mean? In age or in whatever, interests, whatever it may be, or drugs of choice, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, I identify as an alcoholic, but I absolutely hate alcohol, but that doesn't matter because I can, you know, still got the, still got the disease, but I love this group a lot because it just always made me feel like that that thing that matters about it. It's like we are all very different, but we all have the same thing, you know? And that's that was something all along, you know, through the, the drinking and the drugging that I wanted to find was that sense of belonging somewhere. And finally, when I got into this this program and this this room very much in particular along with a very select few others um it just it's that feeling that you just you're just like okay like if this is all it took like why didn't I do this a long time ago you know but I'm I'm very uh it's surreal so I'll finish up with what it's like to have um more than you know to have two years under my belt it's really surreal and amazing i like i've been so uh i've been so like i guess it's like i just i'm so like doubtful of what I what I could accomplish in the beginning that I'm just like man I can't believe two years has like flown by like that but it really hasn't flown by because I've done a lot of like uncomfortable stuff to get here but it's all been so worth it and that's what I try to tell the people that um just don't know aren't really like they're they're at the meeting but they're not really sure like do I care about, like, do I want to do this? Does this sound worth it? 
do I want what they have or do I think I can have what they have? And the answer is absolutely yes. You just got to get real uncomfortable, but the payoff is so worth it. And this is coming from someone that doubted this program from the very beginning. And I'm very grateful that I just finally took, took what was laid at, laid at my feet and took the people that cared about me and started finally caring about myself in a, in a positive way, not a selfish way, obviously, but a positive way. So I, that's, it's eight fifty five, but I could talk to y'all all night, but I thank you all for coming out tonight. And it's been just a pleasure. And thank you, Spike, for asking me to, uh, to speak tonight.